Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Pulp Diction Podcast. Uh, been a while, but we're back. Got uh, got brother Nick on. I'm going to do a quick impromptu uh, Western Conference podcast mostly, although I want to talk a little bit about the East, too. Um, specifically a bet I want to make in the East. But Nick, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, man. A little tired, uh, but good. It's good, it's good. Nick and I, uh, part of the reason you didn't hear it pop for me for so long was that Nick and I were traveling in uh, Israel and Palestine for like eight days and sadly never broke out the laptop and recorded a pod, but... Um, there was there was a serious conversation about doing it in uh, Ben-Gurion Airport at three in the morning when we arrived, but we were just too tired. <laughs> both, it, had been, it had been a long day and, and some hard travel. Both times we were going to pull it out because we had long layovers, it was like... It, we were just exhausted. Yeah, it, it it was not it was not possible. But anyway, so much has happened. I'm not going to go rehash past storylines that I missed out on because I'm positive I'm not the only news source you guys get. So instead, we're going to have a little fun and talk about the Western Conference and the NBA, which is the fun conference first. And right now, the big story in the Western Conference is that the seating is just a clusterfuck. Right? You've got Portland in third. And, you know, OKC in 7th, Denver 8th, Clippers ninth, Utah 10th. And those, you know, five teams are all within, like, two losses of each other. You've got San Antonio's falling to 5th, Minnesota's falling to 6th, and impossibly New Orleans just riding an insane streak from Anthony Davis are up in 4th place. Um, and, and just all the seeds are temporary. Like, they could change tonight. So I thought it would be fun... Let's go through the seat. Let's go through each team and rank them. Basically, I want to rank the Western Conference teams, but we're going to rank them in terms of how good they are in a seven-game series, right? So the way it should work is like a ladder. The people at the top should beat the people below them. and like You should be able to beat the teams that are below you, and you should lose the teams that are above you, although there is some matchup-specific stuff that will mess this up. Um, anyway... Let's start with the top two, Nick, because they're everyone's gonna have the same top two. You do you go Golden State Houston or Houston Golden State? Golden State Houston, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I, I think much to my chagrin, the Rockets have had an outstanding season. Um, James Harden is the is the clear and obvious MVP. You know, his who did he murder? Was it um I forget Wesley who, Johnson died. Yeah. Well he 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 pulled out a rusty rusty knife and just repeatedly stabbed Wesley Johnson um, in, in a moment that will live forever in NBA history. That's both as bad as I've seen someone fall. And, like, Harden didn't take the three. He stood at Wesley Johnson until... He stared at Wesley Johnson until someone closed out on him. Someone else. Exactly. Like, Johnson was just lying there. Harden was just looking at him. Someone in the corner, I can't remember who, had to, like, bummishly run over and close out. <laughs> it was, it was Teodosic. Coughing out his most recent puff of cigarette. Finished his cigarette, put it out, and ran. (laughs) (laughs) Closed out. (laughs) I mean, it was just cruel. But yeah, he's he's been nice. A good um, barometer of of how cool something is, objectively, is the reaction of my fiancé when I I inevitably show show her the highlight on Twitter. And with the James Harden one, I I was so stunned because I saw it in the morning. And I showed it to her. She was leaving for work, and it actually produced a "Oh my god!" <laughs> from 
my fiance who does not really speak in full sentences before seven in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I have Golden State, Houston too. I think that's what everyone has. Um, oh, I my my I, I I totally lost track of that idea, but basically just you know they've had a really good season, but Golden State are still far and away the champs in my opinion. They're they're still the best team. Basically, Houston came out and we're like, look, we're going after the Warriors. We know we need home court. And they've been running after that the whole year. And they've been playing hard every night. The The Warriors basically came out half asleep and checked out of a ton of games and really mailed stuff in. And the Rockets are only up half a game, which definitely means that the Warriors are better. Um, however, I think there's something to be said for... And this is going to be a theme with all of my, my rankings... Playoff basketball is different than regular season basketball, and the Warriors are worse at playoff basketball than regular season basketball. In the playoffs, the on-ball stuff is still called pretty tightly. They just swallow the whistle off-ball. So for a team like the Warriors that are very off-ball heavy, they run a ton of screens off-ball, Steph's always cutting on the baseline, they can just get held in ways they can't be held in the regular season. Whereas the Rockets can kind of run their, like, high pick and roll, get the switch, harden ISO, and still get a ton of calls. Um, so I, I think that's something to keep in mind. The Warriors are obviously still far and away favorites. Can I, 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 just, uh, I just think it's kind of incredible that you can, that you can say, I don't, know, I don't know whether this is a, a backhanded compliment to Golden State or not, um, that you say that they're better regular season than postseason, when last year were it not for one of the all-time great LeBron games and kind of a fluky, fluky bad Steph game, um, Golden State would have gone 16-0 and for the first time in NBA history in the playoffs. Yeah, so. they were very close to that. I mean, they, they would have lost the San Antonio game if Kawhi hadn't gone down. True. I can't remember who else they beat, but like they beat you know, uh, Kawhi-less Spurs. I think they beat the Trailblazers. Um, they beat the Blazers, which, like, congrats. Yeah. And they beat... Who were without Nurkic. Yeah. Was that their first round? That was their first round game. And their second round game was... Jazz, I think? Yeah, it was the Jazz with, like, Gordon Hayward getting food poisoning, Rudy, Rudy Gobert with, like, a torn knee. Yeah. And they really could have lost two to the Cavs, but Durant hit that shot. I mean, I'll always defend the Warriors being excellent. I just think it's important to mention that when you can hold off ball, it hurts the Warriors. Like, that's not a good thing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, we saw it in their 2015 run when they won 66 games and, you know, had had some had the Grizzlies take two games, had LeBron and Del Vadova take two games. And then, <laughs> obviously, we saw it in the 2016 run when, you know, they went down 3-1 to the Thunder and they ended up losing to the Cavs. Um, although I that have was a, a fluke. I have a million caveats to that series. Yeah. Uh, anyway, very off topic. They're still just an amazing team. Yeah. Um, but the doors, the windows open, in my opinion, for the Rockets to take them. Like that's, uh, I could totally see the Rockets winning that series. I think it's going to be appointment television, um, but I still think Golden State will win in six. I think. The one thing I would point to if I'm if I'm picking the Rockets in that series um, is Steve Kerr insists on playing team basketball, which is probably the way they a big part of why they've you know coalesced so well in his time there. 
But for the first time in Steve Kerr's tenure there, after their top four players, they aren't very good. Like, Zaza sucks. <laughs> JaVale's slightly better, but he's still bad. Jordan Bell's a rookie. Iguodal looks washed most nights. Yep. Livingston looks washed most nights. McCaw, I don't know what's going on with him. But you've got Nick Young and Omri Caspi, who are good ninth and 10th men, but I... Like, it's a very, very realistic possibility that Nick Young closes games as part of the death lineup, and that is... Fri- that's, that's not frightening. Nothing's frightening the Warriors. But that's a stark, stark <laughs> drop from Iguodala, you know, at his peak. Yeah. That said, I... I no. It's physically impossible for me to say anything bad about Swaggy P. <laughs> and therefore... I'm it would be gonna, self-deprecating. Th- yeah, exactly. Therefore, I'm going to defend <laughs> uh, Nick Young on the death lineup. And you, say he... And, shooting. And in fact, give the hot take that he, he uh, will probably shoot a higher three-point percentage than Iggy did in, uh, in his best years in the death lineup. I mean, obviously, but Iggy... Iggy's like a top 15 defender in the league if he's when he was at his peak. Yeah, true. Um, in that first series when he won at Finals MVP, I don't think anyone was doing a better job than LeBron at that time. And now he just like... I don't know if he's had too many back injuries, played too many minutes, but he's shooting like Draymond percentages and playing defense, you know, at like Patrick McCaw's level. Yeah. But maybe he saved himself for the playoffs. I mean, he could flip the switch and it's great. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. We've settled that. Now let's get to the interesting part. <laughs> Do you want to go bottom up or top down? Uh... Well, I, think, I think bottom up is interesting. Let's yeah, I'm gonna read my whole list, and then you can. Do you want to shit on it then, and then we'll read your whole list, or do you want to read both our lists back to back and then try and piece through the shit? I feel like it might be cool to go one at a time. Yeah. All right. In tenth, I have the Clippers. Me too. Good. Do we need to? Do we need to go into detail on them? I just I think that they're so far and away the worst team. <laughs> out of out of all the ones we're looking at, they just like the whole Lou Williams All Star thing was cute. And Lou Williams having a career year, I, I like him, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> like Austin Rivers, DeAndre Jordan's like, I'll defend him. He should never in a million years be your best player. Um, and we we like we like and Dosich and is fun. I don't know if he's a good basketball player. Yeah. I, I love Montrez Harrell. I'm really excited for Montrez Harrell and Beverly to play minutes together. Yeah, that'll be it's cool. It's going to be like a lot of energy. Um, now they just need somebody, uh, I don't know, someone else good. They're they're doing a very nice job of being palatable while rebuilding, and I'm very proud of them. Yes. I also really like Tobias Harris, but yeah, they're not that good. Should we go up to nine? Yep. I have the Nuggets nine. I also have the Nuggets nine. I swear we did not do these together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. so I've been on the corner that... Their coach, Malone, is not that good. And that I actually bet the one season over-under bet I had, literally the only one that's good, uh, Nuggets under, I think, is going to pan out. Mm. And, it, like, Murray's taken le- uh, you know, steps up I didn't see coming. He's been excellent. Jokic is not a perfect player, but has awesome strengths that are unique and really cool. Yeah. You know, He's- Gary Harris is an incredibly well-rounded player. This team should be way better. Yeah. And they they play weird players a lot. Can I say about Jokic that if if I was making my top ten, 
um, of players that I enjoy watching the most and just like turn on any game would I enjoy watching them. He's definitely in the top 10, flirting with the top five for me. But I have a thing for saucy big men, so. He's, yeah. he's all the fun of Marcus all without being on the Grizzlies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why they signed Mike my, my Mason, whatever. Plumley B. I don't, I don't know why they did that. I was mad at that in the moment. They play them together, which is just abominable. They still don't have a point guard. Um, whenever Millsap comes back, their defense gets okay and their offense gets worse. It, there's just a lot of problems with this team, and I, I think Malone got to stay because that offense was incredible for four months. But I don't think it was something he did. Yeah. I don't know. They're they're weird. They underachieve, in my opinion. Yes. I think they need a new coach. I don't know enough about Malone to to comment one way or another, but I feel like if this if this Nuggets team either misses the playoffs or sneaks in at the eight spot and gets bounced in four games, you definitely need a new coach. Yeah. For this roster. Yep. Um, I also want to say, like, they don't have a point guard, which we talked about at the beginning of the year. That was one of my biggest issues with them. And everyone's like, well, Jamal Murray will hold the ball. Gary Harris can run a pick and roll. Jokic is obviously, you want him touching the ball the most. You know, Millsap can touch it. Will Barton can touch it. It'll be point guard by committee. Mm-hmm. And that's that sounds good, but... I think the biggest skill they're lacking is penetration. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone on their team is good at penetrating. Aside from Will Barton, kind of. Jamal then, Murray can do it on his night, but... Yeah, but that's only, like, if he's really cooking on his jump shot. Like, he's not a guy who's going to blow by you when you're trying to stop him from doing that. Yeah, I mean, as we discovered, he's really young. So he's he has a long way to go in terms of his development. Yeah, I, like... I think they should be a team that plays with three guards, a stretch four, and Jokic, and just scores 150 points. I I think they need a point guard who can, like, really consistently... I mean, even someone with the profile of Tony Parker, obviously Tony Parker's aren't lying around, but mm-hmm. they don't have to be a good shooter or defender. Just someone that, like, in a spaced floor, will beat their man off the dribble every time. I think they need that player. And that's a player that doesn't always show up in stats, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you look at what Kyrie does for the Celtics. Yeah. I think he's playing so much farther beyond the box score because the only reason they have competent offense is he can cook his guy one-on-one, draw help, and swing it. And that's what creates the advantage their passing works through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they need someone who can do that. Obviously, Kyrie's special, but someone who can do that skill set a little worse. Yeah. Um, no doubt. All right. Sounds like we're done with the Nuggets. What? Uh, who do you have eighth? I'm going to guess that we have the same team. as Again, the Jazz. Nope. Wow. I, uh, all right. I have a shocking eight. I put the three seed eighth. The Trailblazers. Yeah, I have the Trailblazers eighth. Oh, my God. I think the, I think the Jazz win a Trailblazers Jazz series. Really? Yeah. I do. Wow. Dame, I, Dame has been on fire. CJ is very consistent. They're getting a lot out of Nurkic. Their defense has been... That's kind of been the least reported story that's surprising all year, in my opinion, is that Portland's mm-hmm. like has gone from a team that should be like a bottom 10, bottom 5 defense to an above average to very good defense. Um, 
I think they're top 10, or if not, they're floating around there. Which has been season-changing for them. Instead of fighting for the 8th seed, they're, you know... I mean, they're still technically fighting for the 8th seed with how clumped everyone is, but they're in the third spot right now. Yeah. Um, all that being said, I do love Dame's big-game chops. I'm just... I think Terry Stotts has done a masterful job of kind of plugging holes in this roster, of which there are many. Mm-hmm. Um, Mo Harkless, for example, went from penciled-in starter to literally out of the rotation to starting again in the <laughs> same season. Um, they're, they're like four players short of a good team, and y- you watch them on some nights, and you're just like, Jesus, these guys suck. Like Pat Connaughton, who, bless his heart, is doing all he can with his extremely substandard height and athleticism. <laughs> We'll play like 25 minutes a game for them. And he's not even that good of a shooter. Like, it's not it's not a good team. And you see them go up against like a Jazz, right? I feel like Quinn Snyder maybe picked some holes in that. And for the record, I think the Jazz would be a lock playoff team if they'd gotten a full season of Gobert and if Mitchell was this good already the whole year. Yes. Um... I'm putting you in a position where you have to go against the Jazz, which I know you don't like. I know. And <laughs> and I also feel like the Trailblazers are pretty flawed, too. But I have the Trailblazers really high. So I'll save my defense of the Trailblazers for later. Um, I'll say that I, I find the Jazz to be the most exciting team to watch in the league right now. Um, You're such a hipster. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they, they, they really do it for me. Um Donovan Mitchell has been my favorite player to watch this year. I've said it a million times on this pod. All, all, that, all that I'll say is that I feel like when your best player is a rookie, that puts you in somewhat of a vulnerable position in the playoffs. I think that I don't think Rubio's ever been to the playoffs. Um, That's true. I don't think he has. He was yeah, like eight years in the league. Exactly. Um, and I mean, Gobert and Ingles and like, you know, Quinn Snyder, of course, like went to the playoffs and won a round last year. Like, I I think that they will be very competitive in the playoffs next year. I don't think that this is a team that's that's really gonna. Um, and I guess that would that would make sense if if you've got them like seven or eight that they're probably not gonna escape the first round anyway. I, mean, but I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs sadly because of just of. I mean, they could. They have thirty four wins. The Nuggets have 35 wins. They really could, I that's guess. Who they're, that's who's in eighth place. Um, I mean, they could. They could make it. They've, they've won eight of their last ten. So, I mean, they're cooking. They, they could do it. Um, and I do really believe in them. I just, I, my, own, my only hesitation was just that, you know, their best player is a rookie. Rubio's never been to the playoffs. Gobert's health is shaky. And... Um, and yeah, that's just a that's just a a lot to to win four out of seven against another really really good team. So you mentioned that Mitchell's a rookie, and that's a problem. I, this is kind of my biggest defense of the crowd that'll say like tanking is bad. You know, it's bad to suck. I think that getting thrown into a playoff atmosphere is awesome for a guy like Mitchell's development. Absolutely, I would love to see him in a round one game, even if he's like. It's Utah, Golden State, and it's just like he's fucked from the start. I would just love to see him in that atmosphere getting 100% of Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. Getting 100% of, okay, 
Clay Thompson is. You know Clay's going to guard him. Totally going to try and lock me up. Draymond's helping over three steps. Durant's helping over three steps. Like, that's an awesome, like, litmus test for what Donovan Mitchell's going to be. And I think the precedent's there. I know Dwayne Wade, who's kind of a fun comparison for Mitchell in many ways. Um, I think the Heat, his, like, either rookie or second year, got into a playoff series and either won or it was close. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think that was really big for Wade to, like, get in there and, and get those licks in before 05, 06 when they were contenders. Yeah. Um, I really hope the Jazz sneak in there. I think it'd be great. Yeah, I just Portland to me feels like smoke and mirrors. That's my biggest problem with them. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my defense of Portland when they come up on my list. I also think like you're looking at Dame and CJ. You know they've got Rubio and Mitchell to throw at those guys, which are solid options. Um, and I think what they'll do is they'd press up really high. This is the book on them for the record. You press up really high, you force them to drive and go bears at the rim. Mm-hmm. And it's like really Nurkic, like, all right, Nurkic, go get 20 from mid range jumpers. It's like, all right, Mo Harkless, take your open threes that you shoot at 33%. Like, I'm just not afraid of anyone on that team besides Damon CJ. And those guys aren't good enough to be two man teams. Mm. Um, anyway, that's who I have seven and eight. Who do you have seventh? T-Wolves. Really? Yeah. Really? I So, again, in my, in my like, preference for teams that have more playoff experience than ones that don't, um, nobody who's, who suited up for the T-Wolves in their last game, with the exception of Taj and Jamal Crawford, I believe, there might be one Teague. other who's sneaked in there. Was yeah, Teague. Not? Okay. Has, um, has played in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler, of course... Their best player is hurt. He'll probably be back. Um, but I, I guess I, in my brain, I was thinking about this at the very beginning of the playoffs. And I feel like Jimmy's going to be like if, if Jimmy's in perfect health, I think they're higher on this list. But with Cat being in his first playoff series, and also I've swung 180 degrees on Wiggins. I, I fucking hate his game. <laughs> like he's been on my fantasy team this whole year. He's just such a bum. Like, like, the classic Wiggins stat line is 18 points on 20 shots with two rebounds and two assists. That's the classic Wiggins line. Yeah. And, like, he'll, he just, he has such an amazing athleticism about him. It's, it's staggering that he can't play better defense. Yeah. I, he's really frustrating. He's not efficient enough to be a top one or top two scorer. I love him as my third scorer. But if you're going to give me bullshit defense and be a slightly inefficient third scorer, what the fuck am I getting from you? You know yeah. what I mean? Especially at $30 million a year. Exactly. I it mean, he's just he's young, but... Yeah. I mean, he's really young. He's the kind of guy, though, who really should be scoring 30 points a night for the Kings <laughs> as they, as they like, you know, wallow in 12th place. He needs to either get... Great at shooting from deep or defense. It's got to be one of the two. He can't be bad at both. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, and what's, what's super weird about him, and this, this is actually something I relate to, um, is that he, he ha- he, some shots go out of his hand and it looks like Steph Curry just shot the ball. And there's other ones where like he's bricking a ball with zero spin, you know, right off of like, the side of the glass without touching the rim. And it's like, 
you know, there's there's just so much variance in what kind of a shot you're going to get from him, and that's a little bit disturbing because what that means is that he doesn't have a great deal of like really fine motor control that he can kind of like repeat over and over. Yeah. How did you feel about Jimmy Butler opting to shave the meniscus instead of repair it? I, I think so. Just to summarize it quickly, when you tear a meniscus, which is what he did, the meniscus isn't an operational piece of tendon in your knee. Like it's not like when you move it in some direction, it's doing something. It's more like cushion, right? It's like padding. So if you tear your meniscus, you have two options. One, you can surgically repair it, which D Rose did once, ended up tearing again, but it's a year long thing. I think Westbrook did Westbrook it did it once. Yeah. His ended up re tearing again, but once they fixed that again it was fine. Um you can repair it and it's a year. Or you can shave it and it's four to six weeks, basically. Um, which is where the part that's torn, you kind of like buff out so the tear stops. But, you know, you just have less meniscus in your knee. So, for example, Chris Paul had that done six years ago. Yeah. And he's still awesome. But if you remember watching young Chris Paul and you watch Chris Paul now, he's infinitely less athletic. Like, he aged really, really hard in terms of athleticism. Yeah. Um, so there's big pro and con with it. Yeah. I mean, I think that my reaction is that Jimmy must feel like, you know, this year, next year, and the year after his best chances to win. And if he's like, you know, if he's, if he's not playing at a, at a hundred percent next year and giving it a real go this year, that they're not going to have a chance. Because the, the way that the, the, the path to the Timberwolves winning a championship, which, is, which just seems like the deck is so stacked against him with Golden State, is that he's going to need a ridiculous amount of development from Cat and from Wiggins. And, you know, like you were talking about before with Mitchell and D. Wade, the best way to, to you know, hopefully magnify that effect is make a big run in the playoffs this year. If they can get to the second round, you know, or upset Houston um, and sneak into the third round, like, that would be so huge. And I think that if, if I was Jimmy, what I would be thinking about in this sense is that, like, basically spending all that time on the shelf, like, coming back in, like, basically January of next year, who knows where, where the team's going to be and where... Um, like Cat and Wiggins are going to be. And I think that like something that was very apparent early in the season is that they needed Jimmy to be uh, Papa, for lack of a better word. They yeah, needed they 100%. needed Jimmy to be like, this is my team, you know, listen to what I'm saying, work harder. <laughs> and um, and I my when I heard about that, my reaction was he must not believe that these guys can do it on their own. Yeah. No, I I think I think that's true. I don't think they can do it on their own. I think they are a lock to lose in the first round without him. Um, that being said, I, I think it was really stupid not to sit there and try and repair it um, for a couple of reasons. One, if you look at Jimmy Butler as a player, um, he signed a, a nice deal with the Bulls that he's still on. He hasn't signed that old mama contract yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got... I think after next year he's a free agent, so it's this year and next year. Um, and basically that's his last best chance to get a huge deal. 
And if I'm Jimmy, I much I would much rather want to get my knee a hundred percent and show out for fifty games and sign that deal than come back this year, play, and go into next year and maybe have some complications. Because if he starts sitting 10, 15 games next year with knee soreness, Mm -hmm. I think teams would be crazy to pay $30 million for him. Because the other thing about Jimmy Butler is he's a guy that relies very, very, very heavily on his athletic ability. Um, He's certainly much more skilled than a Gerald Wallace. But if you look at how that guy aged, which was yeah. all-star to dog shit player in a year, you know I think that's going to be much closer to Jimmy's age curve than than Chris Paul. Jimmy's still awesome now, but Jimmy's still a force of nature now. No one mm. works out harder. He's as strong as anyone this side of LeBron, and his whole game flows from that. His mid-rangers come off shoulder checks. His drives to the lane and fouls he gets because he pushes guys out of the way. If he's weaker or he loses a step, that's awful. Yeah. Um, I thought it was crazy. I feel like it's just symptomatic of... There were some articles written about the Bulls under Tibbs. There's kind of like this warrior culture there. <laughs> not literal warriors, like like warrior warrior. Mm-hmm. Where... They're not the team warriors, like the... Yeah, I got what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> um, guys would just play hurt, like in the regular season, to chase 60 wins. Yeah. Um, like Noah played on plantar fasciitis a ton. Luol Dang played hurt all the time. Um, I think Rose played with a lot more nicks and bumps than he should have. And look at everyone from that team. It was Rose, Dang, Noah, Boozer. They all aged in dog years. Yeah, Gibson. Um, so I think this is, I don't think Tibbs does that to people or makes people do that per se, but that's very clearly the culture he installs. And i I think that's a huge reason why Jimmy Butler opted to come back. And look, I, I feel for him. He's the leader of the team. He is Papa. That's I totally understand, and in a way, I, I really respect and admire his his thinking. Like, no, I want to come back this year. But a good organization tells him to shut up, get the surgery. I'm not playing you. I mean, they can't make him get the surgery. They can say, I'm not playing you this year, and then they're, he would. They're desperate to. To sell those second round tickets, though, I mean this this is a franchise that like, I mean the best they ever did. I think I think KG took them to the Western Conference Finals one time, and I'm not I'm not saying it's a good decision. I'm just trying to like get in the head explaining it. Um, like I think that this, I think that Minnesota is just so hungry to taste the second round and to feel like they're getting somewhere. And admittedly, it's it's definitely like, you know, sacrificing your long-term potential for some short-term gain, which is dumb, but... Yeah, you know. I mean, they're they're definitely a very solid team. I have them six, so I have them one spot above you. Okay. They're a very solid team. I just think a lot of their guys are green. There's the big question mark hanging over Jimmy Butler's health. Obviously, healthy Jimmy... They're higher on lot, list, you know, but, yeah. They're higher, but... I think without a healthy Jimmy Butler... With Wiggins as bad as he is, that team doesn't make a lot of sense. I think you can you can play off guys a lot. And without Butler there, I, I really have no faith in them. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've got them I've got them sixth. I've got them pretty far down. Who do you have sixth? The Pelicans. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, this was this probably was a, a fairer spot to put them than where I put them. But. It's, a, it's a tough one. I mean, right now, Anthony Davis is, is so clearly, like, all-world – 
best player in the NBA. I mean, James Harden has got the MVP locked up, as we said before. But if AD played like this for a season, it'd be his for sure. He's he's on another level right now. It's amazing. Um, like Drew Holiday's looking great. Rondo's looking good. Miritich is looking good. Um, I didn't put them higher than this again because they've they've been to the playoffs exactly one time, um, and it was not spectacular. Uh, they got swept out in four by Golden State. So they they don't have a ton of experience. A they don't have really anyone that great coming off the bench. B I mean Rondo kind of is on the bench sometimes, but like, yeah, this, this is just a very, very thin team. And I feel like over the course of seven games that gets exposed. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're basically already playing like a playoff team. They already ride their starters 40 minutes a game. Um, you know, it it all flows through their best two players. Everyone else is a role player. Yeah. Um, I think weirdly, can I just say one thing? Weirdly, I think, I think that Miritich is better for AD to play with than Boogie. Than Boogie? Because, like, basically Miritich is your classic stretch four. And, like, I know that AD doesn't really consider himself a center, but he should be playing stretch five. And, like, I think that with, with having a guy like Miritich who's basically going to hang out behind the three-point line, it it allows AD to sort of control the interior much more. And I think that Boogie created a lot of, like, they're just it seemed like kind of a clusterfuck around the lane a lot of the time. Yeah, it was a different situation for them. Um I think I think that pairing would be a lot better if they had changed their team to play similarly to say how OKC plays where uh-huh. they sell out for offensive boards. Like Davis is probably the best rebounder in the NBA right now unless I'm forgetting someone. Um I mean, he doesn't get as many as, like, a DeAndre or an Andre Drummond who hang out by the rim all the time. Cantor somehow pulls down, like, 12 again. But I, I, think if, I think if there's a rebound and I have one guy to go get it and he wants it as much as anyone, I'm picking AD. Probably, yeah. Um, so I, I think that pairing works better if you just decide you're going to rebound half your own misses. But as this team stands, this is how Gentry wants to play. They have an insanely high pace. Um, so they're getting a ton of shots up. Miritich is a really nice find for them. Um, we'll see how it works long-term. If they keep Boogie and they decide to play Miritich at the three next year, it's a dumb trade. But for the purposes of this run, it's awesome. It's going to be great to see AD in the playoffs. And I think what happened is we for- we didn't realize how good Anthony Davis was because he was always getting hurt and because he was muted in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. So, like, that year he made the playoffs. They won 48 games in the West, and yeah. it was just him, mm-hmm. right? Well, Drew, you, Drew was on that team, but he wasn't playing half as well as this yeah. team is playing. It was, like, kind of nicked true. up Drew. Yeah. For context, the Wizards have never won 50 games in the East, uh-huh. right? So that's as good as the Wizards have done with Wall and Beal in an easier conference. Um, that's how good this guy is. Last year, he was hurt on and off the whole year. Um, I know Haral Bob had a joke that his biggest career concern for AD was radiation poisoning because he got x-rayed every two weeks. <laughs> He'd like have a hard fall, leave, they'd be like, fire up the x-ray. Um, yeah, like, I think this guy is awesome, and we knew he was awesome. He, in college, he took that Kentucky team 
all the way and got a Kentucky team that that like seemed like the hot shit. Of it all seemed time. like everyone was good, but it was Michael, Michael Kikoris who washed out, Marquise Teague who washed out, Deron Lamb who washed out. And some other guy got drafted who wasn't that good. Yeah. And did they even, like, lose a game? No. They, they, they lost have... two. They lost two games. Yeah. That's insane, though. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, I have New Orleans four. Um, wow. Nice. Yeah. I I normally don't like the one-man teams, but I think Davis is just so good. And I have a lot of faith in Drew Holiday and Rondo as big game guys. Yeah, Rondo. Like, Rondo was amazing last year in the playoffs. Rondo really was. He, he, he took he took two games <laughs> off the Celtics in Boston. Yeah, I, with, with a dog shit Bulls yeah. team. I could see. So I want. I was gonna when I sat down to make this list. I was gonna put them like seventh, eighth. I'm like, this is smoke and mirrors. They're not winning by that much. You know, Davis can't possibly play this good in the playoffs. All this stuff. And I just looked at their roster. I'm like, I don't want to go against Rondo in a playoff game. Drew Holiday's really competent. Etwan Moore is a nice piece. You know, Darius Miller, whatever his name is, makes threes. Miritich makes threes. Fuck, that's basically a rotation. Yeah. Um, And you look at who they're playing against. Don't they also have um, Ian Clark, too? Ian Clark, yeah, but he, you know, he's, he's not—he's not doing a ton. But like, at least that's some, that's somebody who's uh, won a championship. He exists, yeah. And you look at who I put them above the list on, like Utah. Like I, Davis is just going to run circles around Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I feel very good about Gobert. Can't keep up with that. Um, so I know. guess I guess the real question then is, who do you have uh, five six? I have Minnesota six. Okay, I think I think Davis would really get up for a Towns matchup. Um, yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. They beat the T Wolves, and I think I think Teague is too flawed. Wiggins is too flawed, and you know Rondo and Holiday are solid. Yeah, no. We, um, so who do you have five? San Antonio. I have San Antonio five as well. So I, I just feel like I was gonna put San Antonio ahead of New Orleans, and then I was like, Good God, who the fuck is gonna cover Anthony Davis on that team? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be maybe Aldridge. It'd be Aldridge? Maybe. Like, Aldridge is banged up. He's a soft player. He's like a pick-and-pop guy. He can't guard Davis. Yeah, no way. <laughs> is it Powell? Powell's ancient. Yeah, they really like, don't Powell have an answer. They have no one. <laughs> Davis would put up, like, 50 and 30. Yeah. It, it would be ungodly. And, like, they'd help completely off Rondo. They'd make Drew Holiday take contested twos, all this stuff. They're really smart. But at a certain point... I think the biggest weakness of the Spurs year after year after year since Duncan was an elite athlete is it's the really athletic teams that fuck them. They'll play perfect principled stuff, mm-hmm. but there's only so much Kyle Anderson can do against Kevin Durant. Yeah. And like you look at that awesome team they had in the 2012 year. It was the year before they went to the finals twice where the Thunder beat them. Uh huh. That Thunder team was worse. <laughs> they just had Durant, Ibaka, Westbrook. Harden, who are all, I mean, Harden's not a freak athlete, but the other three are freak athletes. Yeah. And it's like Tim Duncan's 36, like Tony Parker's 5'10 and kind of old. Manu's kind of old. It's like, there's only so much positioning can do against insane athletes, and Davis would do that. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I'm really, it's, it's really only just out of respect. I don't have a, a super logical argument for, for putting the Spurs higher than the Pelicans. I mean, on the, on the one hand, I think that Pop, Pop lives for the playoffs. 
He does. Like, you know, I, I can't remember the last time the Spurs... And I'm assuming no Kawhi. If there's Kawhi... No, I'm, I'm assuming Kawhi. no Kawhi as well. Um, although, he's saying that he's going to get on the court in March. So what do you say? Um, Maybe. Who knows? Inshallah, as we say. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I, it's really just only out of the fact that I, I can't remember the last time the Spurs didn't win at least a round in the playoffs. In it, fact, I think it was when the Grizzlies took them out in round one. Yeah, when was that? Uh, no, 2010? I don't know. Yeah, so... I, I feel like um I feel like until the Pelicans can really like show that they can play this well in the playoffs, I, I right now right now I've gotta go pop. The the weird thing about the Spurs that I I'm really excited to bet on if it occurs, I really think they'd have a great chance at beating Houston in a series. Mm. Just because <laughs> like and it's so weird that I feel like the Pelicans could beat them, but they could beat D'Antoni. Because it's not like Gentry is a better coach than D'Antoni. But yeah. He I, might be a little bit better than D'Antoni. I think Gentry's okay. D'Antoni, like, there's so much bad energy with that. The yeah. idea of D'Antoni going in as a clear favorite, and the Rockets already looking at the conference finals, playing, like, pop without anyone. I just think that's a horrible recipe for yeah. D'Antoni. <laughs> and the Rockets... I just don't see that going well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if they draw in the first or second round, I want to bet Spurs with you. I'm down. Um, I'm always down to bet on the Spurs. Yeah. I, D'Antoni, someone was talking about this during the All-Star game. I mean, no one really cares about it. I bet D'Antoni was probably hungover, like the players. But, I like, he's a bad in-game coach, and he'll make yeah. weird choices. And... You just look at like what Pop did last year, where like he was like, "Hey, take mid ranger," and Dan Tony was just flummoxed. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is like I know we talked about Chris Paul spelling Harden, but I haven't really seen that. Yeah, I haven't seen that much either. I was thinking today, like I don't think Harden's biggest weakness is defense. I think it's conditioning. I like I just don't think he can. I don't know if he's the kind of guy that can play ninety games, ninety games, ninety games, especially as hard as he plays in the regular season. Yeah, he's he's an athlete with a belly. I respect it. <laughs> he's not he's not fat. He's just no, like I know. Big. He's, he's, he's just like got a big dude. He's got a little belly. He's carrying more weight. Muscle belly. Um. All right. Anyway. So you want to hear who I got for? Yeah. Thunder. So you put Portland three. I did. That is so stupid. All right. <laughs> I I have the Thunder three, which is also stupid. We're both too high on the Thunder. I think. Yeah, I know. Uh, I I felt. Like doing, and this this I think is is what's interesting about the West. All of these teams are really good, yet they're all really flawed. Yeah, they're bad like, in a lot of ways. Like, I guess that's just the era that we're living in, um, where we have like a couple super super teams, and really right now it's two in the whole league. But like, but yeah, it seems like everybody who's not the the Rockets or the Warriors just have a profound fundamental flaw. And I mean, maybe you could put the Raptors in there, but I just, I don't know if Lowry and DeRozan are quite, quite good enough to um, to put them in the same category as Houston and Golden State. But And I mean, yeah. I think the Celtics will be there next year when Gordon Hayward's back and, you know, Jalen and Tatum have had another year to develop. But, um, but anyway, yeah. yeah Do you thunder, want to talk about the Thunder? Let's talk Thunder... 
And then you can defend the Trailblazers being three, which I find ludicrous. Yeah. Um, it's very stupid. The Thunder are seventh. The Thunder have a real chance of not making the playoffs. Carmelo Anthony is awful. He's I, terrible. At, at this point, I'd rather have Ryan Anderson, because at least Ryan Anderson knows he's Ryan Anderson. <laughs> if I have to watch, like, like part of dealing with Westbrook because he's going to take a lot of crappy long twos, I'm cool with that. That's part of the deal. He's still an amazing player I'd love to have on my team. I don't want Carmelo Anthony taking crappy long twos. Yeah. And, like, I get that he's completely lost athleticism. He plays no defense. Why can't he shoot? Why is he a bad shooter now? I... Damn if I know. It's just inexplicable. Um, here's here's my thunder defense: is that Paul George is fucking awesome. He is like he's defensively, especially he's unreal. So like, I think if you're looking at a nucleus of Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Stephen Adams, Stephen Adams is the biggest reason I have him three. I think yeah. he's the most underrated player in the league, or one of. Yeah, I I'm in total agreement with you. He's. He is a fucking awesome center. If I think he'd be more properly rated if people appropriately allocated five of Westbrook's rebounds to him every game. Because <laughs> Westbrook, like, yeah. Adams is one of those guys who's like doesn't need the ego of like, well, I'm gonna get a ton of rebounds. So yeah. he just like will clear out everyone and let Russ grab it and run. Which like you know whatever, it's better for the team. Maybe it, Westbrook gets to get triple doubles and be all happy with himself. Westbrook or Adams is the one creating those rebounds. Adams will have, like, 18 and 9 games with 6 offensive rebounds. Yeah. Like, he, like <laughs> he doesn't get defensive rebounds because he doesn't have to, not because he's not contributing to that. Yeah. He's a fucking force in the paint. I, I, I think it was Rudy Gobert, maybe? It was some really good center, and I was watching Adams go against him. And I was just like, I think I'd rather have Adams. Adams is devastating on that pick and roll and has really good chemistry with Westbrook on it. Yeah. He's a force in the middle. Maybe you shoot a slightly higher percentage in there, but you're there's he's a wide ass deterrent. Like he will check you. He sets awesome screens. He can pass kind of well. He's got like these nice little like floaters. Yeah. Um He's just, also a scary fucking dude. Just like he's awesome to have on your team. Yeah. Like I think that you definitely think twice about about charging the paint um with him in there. He's such a force. I I love his game. He's the perfect like center for this era when we don't want our good players to be centers. Yeah, exactly. Um, well put. He's he's a uh, he's a way 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 better version of like, um, of like Tyson Chandler before. Tyson Chandler's like offensive game in his best years. And he's not quite like the the rim protector that Chandler was when he was, the, you know. Yeah, I I defend the Chandler really world. hard, but um, I, I think that Adams is great. Is my yeah, point. he's awesome. Melo is a giant canker sore on this team. We can both agree. But, yeah, huge. Um, the other thing that someone pointed out in a podcast, I, I'm not going to appropriately credit it. We'd kind of been thinking them as a good defensive team, regardless, and no one shot on Roberson more than me, but. Since he's been out, they've been a bad defensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, their offense has gotten better, but you know that's that's a problem, and it feels like one that you know. I think everyone saw like Thunder's second best defensive league, like Paul George, defensive player of the year candidate. But yeah, you know, Robertson is basically on George's level defensively. Maybe yeah. a half they, step. They below. miss him for sure. Um, Alex Abrines 
is is not giving you Roberson's defense. Yeah, I guess part of that is Abrina's got all the minutes and he's Spanish, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have they have some pieces on this team. Like, I mean, Jeremy Grant, I think is decent. He's, he's playing defense like a Spanish center midfielder. Yeah, he's but. very flawed. Um, yeah, I like Grant. And um, they also have Patrick Patterson. I don't know what his deal is. I've liked him in his various stops in the league, and I felt like he's he could have been a better piece than he is. He's not been good. I don't know why that is. But. He, he was a guy with off-season surgery. He might just not be right. Uh, um, yeah, that could be. Anyway, defend Portland 3. And okay. then I want to talk really quickly about the East before you have to go. Okay. Um, it, it basically starts with saying that I think that big game Dame is about as good as anyone in the Western Conference as far as a number one. It, okay, so hold on. That, that's, that came out bad. You, of course, you've got the Steph Currys, the Durants, the Hardens, um, you know, AD. Um, the Westbrook and Georges. The only reason I had them three is that they have... To, they have the best stars aside of Houston Golden State. Yeah, but I think that I think that Dame is very close to um, all of those guys when he's cooking. So like, I also think that the thing with Dame is that he's he's not going to do something to like lose you games. And I mean, saying that about Westbrook is is harsh, but like, I also don't know exactly how Westbrook and George fit together all the time. I feel like Dame and CJ have not perfectly complementary, but somewhat complementary games. And I I just think that, like, if I'm playing against the Blazers and, like, Dame and CJ come out firing, Nurkic is working, and, like, also Portland had a really bad spell when Al Farouk Amina was out, and I I don't think that he's, like, a fantastic player either, but I think that he's, like an important part of what they're doing in terms of stretch four. He's also just like their replacements get so bad so quickly. Yeah. So like now that he's back and they, and they're so hot, like I think they've won eight or nine out of their last 10, like their rotation makes sense. Like I think that with the trailblazers, perhaps more so than any of the other teams below them, I feel like I understand how the pieces fit together and, and they have like, guys to come in and play specific roles. You know, like Shabazz comes in and plays backup point guard. Evan Turner theoretically comes in and plays decently off the bench. Although that's Evan not Turner's really like he's a, he's a bum. He he has this weird like Brad Stevens whenever he renegotiates his next contract should just like bring Evan Turner's contract with him. Yeah. Cuz that's <laughs> I remember joking this year that like Lonzo's one of Lonzo's biggest career achievements is going to be that TJ Leaf went in the middle of the first round, but yeah, I mean Brad Stevens getting seventy four million. It was a bad deal at the time, but like still yeah. seventy four million for what Evan Turner gives you, which is bad defense or slow defense. He might be yeah. good if he's in position. Slow defense, no shooting. Like <sighs> it's also it's also tough that like they have he's like, a problem. You pointed out Pat. Connaughton, who's not good. Connaughton, yeah. Connaughton. And, I mean, Myers-Leonard also is is a big waste of space on that roster. Um, but, like, I don't, I don't dislike Harkless. 
I think Ed Davis is okay, and I'm actually a huge fan of Caleb Swanigan, the their rookie from Purdue. Doesn't he DNP? Yeah, sometimes. Although he comes in and he has some good games from time to time. I don't know. Really, really, this pick is is about. I like the CJ um, Dame uh, Nurkic triangle, and I guess I guess maybe this is just that I've spent so much more time thinking about the flaws of the Thunder and the Spurs and the Pelicans and the T Wolves that like. Um, <laughs> that that maybe just by process of elimination, I've, I'm thinking of the Trailblazers as better than they are. But I guess I guess just like when I was thinking about this, I was really feeling like if Dame and CJ get hot, they can give anybody a run. Because you and and, and this is like the thing about you know the the NBA of today, like like if Dame and CJ are really hitting from outside. That fucks everybody's game up because outside of Golden State and Houston, there isn't anybody in the league who can shoot like that. I see. It's just like they're awesome. Dame's not an efficient scorer, right? He's gonna give you like forty-four from the field, thirty-seven from three. He'll get to the line a bunch, and he shoots a lot of threes, which is nice. But he's not like he's not in Curry's league of efficiency. He's not in Harden's league of efficiency, right? True. He's more on the Westbrook level of efficiency. Yeah. You've got CJ, who's a really nice second option, and definitely shoots efficiently. But with both of those guys, it's just as likely that they give you 5 for 19 as it is they have a really good game. And if one of them is off against any of these teams, I think they lose the game. Hmm. Like, if you get a 40-point game out of Dame on efficient shooting... And CJ gives you 12. I don't see how they beat New Orleans, San Antonio, Minnesota, OKC. If you get a 40-point game from CJ and Dane gives you like 15 and 7 with 6 turnovers, or even like 20 points on 25 shots, I don't see how you beat those teams. Um, plus, like I know they've hung on defense. I still think Dame and CJ are liabilities defensively, and they're going to be out there 40 minutes a game. Yeah. I mean, what I, what I will say, though, is that... Um... Well, looking at this win streak, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, asterisks, asterisks. Um, however, against uh, OKC just three nights ago, um, Dame only scored twenty and shot twenty seven percent from the field, and they still won by eight. I know but this is the regular season, dude. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, like, like Billy's just kind of rolling out his stars, and it's just. Trying to coach them like they're college players, and he's like, "Jared, like Jeremy, when you're sitting there like this, I want you to take one dribble to the side and pull that twenty footer." And <laughs> telling Jeremy Grant to pull a twenty footer is really bad coaching. And I hope he doesn't do that. I, he probably doesn't. <laughs> Whereas Terry Stotts is like a really smart coach, and that definitely helps in the playoffs too a ton because coaches get to strategize. But I don't know how many counter moves Terry Stotts has in the bag with this team. I think it's just roll Dame and CJ out there with Nurkic and the best role players you can cobble together, never sit them both at the same time, and get creative defensively, force a ton of mid-rangers. Like, I don't... It's kind of like the Celtics, where I think they're being so well-coached now, I question how much farther they can go in the playoffs. Mm. Like, they're already so close to the ceiling I think they have. Whereas OKC look awful, <laughs> and yet like there's just so much Westbrook and George can do in a playoff setting, and Adams. Absolutely. Um, all right, you said you wanted to end a while ago, so let's 
very quickly, can I just pitch to you my Philadelphia 25-1 to to win the East bet? Please. There are three teams that I feel like I have to talk you into the Sixers beating. Yeah. The Celtics, Raptors, and Cavs. Absolutely. I refuse to talk you into them beating the Raptors because we're not going to not make a bet because the Raptors are winning the East. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, so I agree. scrap them. In a in a straight up in a straight up seven game series, I would gladly. You just like gladly I know they look good. Sixers. I know Demar's shooting threes. They move the ball. Dwayne Casey for Coach of the Year. The bench mob. Blah blah blah. It's Toronto. I'm just not. Yeah, like, sorry. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Boston rebounded so well from the Hayward thing that everyone thought they were incredible, and really they're just getting. Such amazing play from Jalen Brown and Tatum for like 30 games that it was almost like they still had Gordon Hayward. This is a team that has a lot of weird and flawed players on it. Um, they're very reliant on an Aaron Baines, Daniel Thies, um grouping that is Greg Monroe grouping that's just not that good. And if you look at their team, Kyrie's the only reliable offensive player. You don't think Horford's a reliable offensive player? He scores 14 a game. But I think that that's the whole thing, though. And this is this is a very San Antonio piece, is that, like... Duncan maybe... never scored 14 a game when they were, like, really, really, really fucking good. No, I'm, I'm saying more like the San Antonio the last couple of years. Like, maybe it's Terry Rozier's night to score 20. Maybe it's Marcus Smart's night to score 20. Like, they they have a roster that's built on... Basically, whoever's hot being able to be this, the the complimentary scorer, which is which is nice. Basically, here's my thing with with Celtics Sixers. Sixers are a really good defense. Mm-hmm. Curry's gonna have to score fifty a game or forty a game to get by those guys. I mean, the the Sixers have wait in, who's who's guarding Jalen JJ Reddick? I don't think that's Jalen can't shoot, but he's gonna take JJ into the paint. He he'll drive. I. I really don't think Jalen Brown could be counted on for more than 15 a game. If that. That might be enough, though. Um, I I just think that the Sixers have a nice combination of, you know, maybe they sick TJ McConnell on Kyrie for a while. Um, you know, maybe it's Covington, which would be really fun because Covington's so long. But the Sixers have two guys in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid that require really big guys to play defense on them. And mm-hmm. the Celtics probably counter by throwing Smart and Horford on those two guys. Or maybe Baines on Embiid, but I think Horford's too small and, and Baines is too bad to deal with Embiid. I think Embiid has yeah. a matchup advantage the whole series. Definitely. Um, I think Simmons, Smart is too small to stick him, so maybe stick Horford on, but Horford's too slow. I think six, the Sixers' two best players have matchup advantage over the Celtics specifically. Plus, I think the Sixers are going to play better in the playoffs than they play in the regular season because... The young guys have already grown up. Like we don't have to redo their growing pains in the beginning of the year, and Embiid's getting two, three days rest every game. Yeah, I mean that's, that's at twenty five to one. I like them in that series. Um, that's that's twenty five to one to get them past Cavs and South. The Cavs are who I'm rest. saving. I with the Cavs, so they did just convincingly beat the shit out of them recently. They did. LeBron is incredible. Basically, they've removed anyone else who can take the wheel from LeBron in a meaningful way. 
Like, at least with Isaiah Thomas, there was the pipe dream. You know, hey, there's someone else who can run this offense. It didn't pan out. Mm -hmm. But this is the worst supporting cast LeBron has had since the 2010 Cavs team he flaked on. Um, to go to the Heat originally. By the time Love comes back, I would take I would take this roster over the one that he took to the Eastern Conference Finals his first year back in Cleveland. I guess with a healthy Love, but Love, Love and him don't work. Love is Channing Fry on this team. Yeah, which is really sad. I, it's pathetic that Ty Lue can't figure it out better, or that they haven't gotten someone who can. But yeah, Kevin Love is just so marginalized and misused on this team that he loses value. I'm looking um, forward to... You're probably right that he's he's so good, it's better than Ilgauskas and whatever, but... I'm I'm really looking forward to when LeBron leaves this summer, seeing um, Kevin Love be, be the last man standing in Cleveland. No, this is the worst since LeBron's 2010 Cavs team, because Bosh was always better than Love. No, no, I'm, I'm saying that... The 2010 that, team is worse? No, 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 the, the 20... Um, the 2016, or maybe it was 2015, the Della Vidova... Oh, that doesn't really count. Everyone got hurt. Yeah, but still. Okay. That, 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 that counts. I, am, I, am, I agree with you. I look forward to Kevin Love being the last man standing. Yeah. That'll be funny. I think, I think that he'll average 25 and 9. Not with Ty Lue, he won't. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Um, yeah. All right, we should... Uh, this might be a good point to sign off. We should wrap... What's up, Sienna? Hey. We're just finishing up the, the, uh, the last minute of the podcast. You want to say hello to the listeners? I'm on. Yeah, you're on. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, let's let's wrap it, right? Yeah, let's. All right. Um, in summation, I think it's a lot to ask for LeBron. I think Embiid and Simmons get up for that game. I think at 25 to 1, I'll take the odds that LeBron gets discouraged. I'll give you the $5 on that bet, but that's the most I'll give you. All right. All right. That does it for Nick and my podcast on the NBA. It's good to catch up. Um, apologies for taking so long to put something out. I, uh, I was traveling and doing stuff and whatever. Excuse, excuse. Um, stay tuned. I'm going to try another podcast up at the end of this week, and then I'm going to try to get. Danny on the podcast when we're both in Spain next week. Nice. Um, a little road podcast. He can gloat about his Gianna season bet for MVP and his Rockets championship bet. <laughs> um, anyway, thanks for listening. Take care.